something great about the day here. It's wonderful weather for a Sunday afternoon. Swelling the crowd even further. And as mentioned, it's by no means one way here, the support. Benfica have a tremendous following. I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup, actually, just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 53 of Mr. Benfica. And, um, well, I wish we were having a better conversation. I wish uh, these these episodes are all starting to sound the same in the beginning, aren't they? Uh, I wish we had more good news to talk about tonight. But uh, you hear that music in the background. That is the anthem of the UEFA Europa League. That's right. We're not playing the Champions League anthem. Um... As we said goodbye to that competition back in December, we say hello to the Europa League in this episode, and it may not be a very long stay in this Europa League. Um, unfortunately, Benfica abysmal in Ukraine in this round, in this first leg round of 32. First leg round of 32 on the road in the Ukraine against Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, it's a, a match where the result is much better than the performance, which I suppose is better than the last time we chatted, where it was a, a performance that deserved a better result, in my opinion, at least against Braga. But um, here we go again. Let's talk about it. Um, a lot of people get excited about the Europa League. A lot of fans take this competition very seriously. If you think the club feels that way, well, let this be your warning. Uh, I think there was far too much proof um, in the preparation, in the attitude, in the demeanor of players, of coaches, of the president, of the director of sport, Rui Costa. No matter where you looked in this match, it looked like nobody could be bothered to be in the Ukraine in February. Like the Europa League is this huge inconvenience. At a time when you need to turn it around and you need to start playing well. What better than to have an opportunity in a match where you have no points on the line. What better opportunity do you have to come out and play and try to turn this thing around? No, we go to the Ukraine, we sit back, I kind of get it, but we this. I would rather go out in this round fighting and go out trying to improve the things we need to prove on this team that, than that performance that we put out on Thursday in the Ukraine, okay? Um, the club does not take this competition seriously. Do not kid yourself anymore, okay? Maybe if we get to the quarters or the semis, but again, that didn't change last year. Uh, and now we're in a, a, a fight for the title. And, and if we're lucky, we'll stay in this fight. But if we keep playing the way we're playing now, guess what? We are going to fall behind and we are not going to catch up. We need to turn this around now. Do you, you know, I say that this this is a good result. But does anyone out there listening in Mayfica Nation honestly believe that this team can keep a clean sheet at home? Based on... On the past four performances, two goals per game, three goals in some in Porto, two goals every other game. I think I could take the pitch and score on this team right now. And our keeper's been the best player on the pitch every game. Our keeper has been the best player on the pitch match after match, yet we're still giving up two goals a match. What does that say about our play? I'm not mad about rotating the squad. I'm not mad about making changes. I get it. That's necessary. This is a very, very complicated phase of the season. The month of February is is absolutely brutal. Okay? You got, what do we have, seven matches in 29 days? That's brutal. I get that. But that does not mean that this team can't take the field and fight. That doesn't mean that this team can't take the pitch and try to turn this around. Make it it's one thing to not play well, but make it look like you're trying to improve. Adel Tarapt is the only guy out there that looks like he's trying to do something even when he he he's atrocious defensively. He, we defend with 10. Let's be quite honest. We defend with 10. But 
At least he's he's pushing, and at least he's running at people. He beats two or three before he loses the ball. Everyone else is just watching him. Everyone else is just watching him. And then the one guy that's dying to play is sitting on the bench. Andreas Samadis comes in in the 90th minute to hold, to hold a 2-1 <laughs> defeat. To make sure we don't lose by more so that we have a chance in the second leg next week. That's exactly what that substitution was about. Make no mistake about it. Come on. I've been on a sideline. That's ex- that's a manager that knows he's he's losing a grip of the match. And it, he doesn't want it to get any worse. You bring in Andreas Samadis for PZ. Hell, that that that's the right move at that time. Given the way the, game, the match was going. But this has got to improve. This has got to improve. Or we're going to find ourselves... We're gonna have we're gonna find ourselves with an empty trophy case this season. I don't want to hear about the Super Cup. That's last season. I know it's played in this season, but that's an accomplishment that is attributed to a performance from last season. This season we are we are at zero for for trophies. We've let us a seven points lead slip. As I stand here right now on Sunday night. February the 23rd, we're two points behind. Yeah, we got we to gotta play in 24 hours. Yeah, we got a match in hand. But guess what? We're looking up. We're looking up at Football Club Report. Yeah, they had a little bit of help today. Anyone see Jackson Martinez's penalty kick? That thing was, was a comical. Everyone and their mother knows that he had no intention of scoring that goal. Don't even say he's a professional. Don't even talk about that. The guy had no intention on scoring at that end, at the end of the curva with a Super Dragojar. You think he's going to score on that goal? I knew right away. My Italian father-in-law is watching with me. He doesn't know anything about Portuguese football. He could say right away he didn't want to score. Why didn't that guy want to score? And I explained. He used to play for them. Yeah. So that's where we find ourselves. All right. Let's, uh, let's pay a bill. Play some Reconquista. No news this week. We'll do that um, when we recap the when we recap the um the Gil Vicente match which will be played on Monday. We'll recap it later in the week and we'll we'll hit the news at that time. Alright. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. You can find me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica and at Mr. Benfica.com. I'll be right back. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo
welcome back to Mr. Benfica. How about that Europa League anthem, huh? I think that's a better piece of music, actually, than the Champions League anthem. I think it's a much better piece of music, uh, much better composed. I think it's more modern. And, um, no, well, I guess it's one consolation for being in this competition is getting to play that music. All right, let's get right into the match. Let's not waste any time. This is going to be a little bit of a quicker episode tonight. We are in... The Ukraine tonight, and let's go here. As I bring up the match information, we are at the Stadion Metalist in Kharkiv, Ukraine. This is the borrowed home of Shakhtar Donetsk. Of course, they have not been able to play in their home stadium for quite some time uh, due to military conflict in that region. So they are in Kharkiv, Kharkiv, um, Kharkiv. Ukraine tonight in the medalist stadion. All right, let's go right to the lineups if we can. And we will begin with the home side, Shakhtar Donetsk. League leaders in the Ukrainian league, important to note, um, they begin the second half of the Ukrainian season with a 16-point lead at the top of the table. Makes a difference when you play in this competition what your league standing is. Benfica could have been pretty comfortable also at this point but uh recent results have changed all that and have really uh affected the team's ability to go after this UEFA Europa League but let's get into it the goalkeeper is Andre Pyatov they're playing in a fourth two three one the back four the right back is Sergei Bolbat Sergei Kristoff and Mikola Matejenko are the two center backs, while the Brazilian Ishmaili is the left back. Two holding mids for Luis Castro's team. That's right, Portuguese coach Luis Castro. Most recently with Vitória Guimarães, he is the man in charge of Shakhtar Donetsk, and he plays with the double pivot. It's the Brazilian Alan Patrick and the Ukrainian Taras Stepanenko. Three attacking midfielders in front of them. You've got the Brazilian-born Ukrainian international, Marlos, on the right. The Ukrainian Viktor Kovalenko is in the center of midfield with Brazilian Tyson on the left. And the attacking, uh, the striker, I should say, is another Brazilian-born Ukrainian international, Junior Moraes. Benfica in their in their standard 4-4-2. Odi is in goal. Tomasz Tavares the right back. Ruben Dias and Fehu the center backs. And Grimaldo is the left back. No surprises across the back. The right mid is PZ double uh, center mid, or I should say the holding center mid is Florentine Luiz in um, as he's selected as Ulian Weigel is suspended for this match for a yellow card that he picked up while still with Borussia Dortmund. Um, interestingly enough, Bruno Lage goes with Florentine Luiz and not with Andreas Samaris. This is when I saw this, I began to question. I really began to question where this match was going to go. This kid has been buried for months, and now he's being thrown in what we perceive to be important games, but in big games. But I really do not believe the club look at this game that way. All right, and in front of Florentine is, of course, Adel Tarap, the Morocco international, and Franco Cervi is starting on the left. And the strike pair for this match is Chiquinho and Harris Seferovic. Bruno Lage continuing to show loyalty to last year's Golden Boot winner. And um, listen, I've defended the manager enough. Uh, I like the manager. I think still, and I hope still, that he's going to be the man in the long run for this club. But you know what, Bruno? You are going to get yourself sunk if you continue to show this undue loyalty to some of these players. Eri Seferovic is uh, one of them, and this was the perfect match to start Diego Souza, in my opinion, okay? You have... You have to try something. You have to try things out so that you have more more solutions when you get to the league matches. Okay. Also, Benfica in the last three matches probably have 100 crosses. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not by much. 
Nobody can get on the end of crosses on this team. They're usually poorly delivered, but even when they are delivered, nobody can get a good, solid header on them. Diego Souza has that, that, that aerial game. That's a piece to his game. What better, what other opportunity are you going to get to give him a chance to play other than this game? I really don't understand this 11. I don't like this 11. I wanted to see some more changes, to be honest. I wanted to see Nun Tavares play at left back. Grimaldo has played 100 matches in a row. He needs a rest. He's not playing well. Peasy could use a rest. Peasy, historically, is not good in the month of February. Just look at the last four seasons. He's very consistent with his ups and downs. You can you can chart his entire season from the beginning to the end based on the past three seasons. He's that consistent. Whether he's either good or he's bad, but he's consistent. And you, you can tell that he's going to... You can tell based on what portion, what phase of the season you're in, how he is going to play... I mean, this would have. I would have had Shikinu playing in that position, perhaps, or I would go with Rafa. Why is Rafa being rested? He just returned. He's got to be one of the freshest ones on the field. Go with Rafa instead of Peasy. Anything. I mean, you've got guys. Go with Shikinu on the right if you have to, and play Rafa up front with 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 Diego Souza. Why is Rafa good enough to play as a second striker? In certain league games and then not in other games. Games where we're going to need... This is a match where we were going to need a Rafa. Someone with speed that can carry the ball out of danger situations to relieve pressure. He needed... I would have played him in PZ's spot, to be honest with you. I know he normally plays the left, but he can play the right just as easily. He might not have been the same danger to score from the right, which he's not. But he's got plenty of assists from the right. One of the few that can actually deliver a cross. And he's just in transition. He's he's in, he's so valuable in transition, in relieving pressure. No. Instead, we're going to play with with this 4-4-2. And you got one guy that can carry the ball out of danger, which is Tarapt. Tarapt, if you look at his heat map, covers the whole field. But, of course, defensively, he can't... He, 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 and this isn't a knock on the player. He needs to be surrounded with teammates that can do that so that he can do what he's good at. You're asking him to be a box-to-box midfielder, and he's wasting so much of his energy defending in a uh, a portion of the game that's really not his his game. He's running around. You know, he's trying to mark. He hasn't got the slightest... Um, he doesn't have... the the slightest notion of where he's supposed to be positionally on the field. He's not the only one, but it's it's the most glaring with him. And then he overcommits, and you can guarantee he's going to get booked. All right, let's get into the game. That's my rant. Let's get into this one. All right, as I pull out my notes here, and we will go to... Uh, where are we here? Bear with me for one moment here as my notes are a little bit mixed up. Got him. So we've got uh, we've got Thursday, February the twentieth. Like we said, Shakhtar Donetsk and Benfica at the Stadion Metalist. Right before kickoff, I did I did note this. What you hear, all you hear, is the one hundred fifty traveling Benfica fans singing Benfica mor da minha vida. Benfica fans deserve better than this. I'm not even talking about myself. I'm sitting here in front of a microphone in my home in North America. I watch this on TV or I watch this on my phone. I watch this at the office. These these dedicated 150 went all the way to the friggin' Ukraine to support this team in the middle of the winter. How does a team not get up to give a better performance than this? I don't understand. Shakhtar gets the match started as Junior Moraes plays it back to his midfield. And Shakhtar are in their famous orange and black kits. Benfica in last year's white tops and socks. And wearing, I believe, a never-before-worn white short with black stripes. I, I am almost certainly positive that these shorts have never been worn. This kit was friggin' awesome. There's something about Benfica in all white on the road that I just gets me. Why do we wear, uh, you know, why do we have these stupid 
alternative kits, like the the gray ones we have this year. I'm going to propose something, okay? Adidas, if you're listening, I know you're not. Adidas, no, if you're listening, I know you're not. But if you are, if by any chance anybody with any influence is listening, at the very least, can we just always wear use white as the secondary kit in Europe? You want to wear something ridiculous in the league? I get it. I get it. Adidas forces weird uniforms on teams, weird kits. That's fine. These great kits are, you know, they are what they are. For whatever reason, all season, Benfica have not mixed up their uniforms. So when they can't wear white shorts, Benfica, they don't just change the shorts. If anyone's noticed this, I pay attention to this stuff. This is one of the weird things about me is that I pay attention. If you go back and watch every time Benfica's played a team that wears all white, meaning Benfica are the team that has to change their shorts. They change the entire kit. They change that stupid gray and black kit. With okay, Instead of just wearing the black shorts with the red tops, I think that's a, a fantastic alternate or third kit that didn't get used at all this season. And I usually like seeing that. They didn't do it this year. This year they changed the whole kit. In this match here, they could not change... Uh, they could not wear black shorts, okay? They could not wear black shorts because Shakhtar wear black shorts. Shakhtar are the home team. So rather than wear the gray with white shorts and whites, you know, in the black socks, which um, I'm glad they didn't do that also because that would have been hideous, they brought back last year's white kit. The thing was beautiful, absolutely beautiful to see Benfica in an all-white kit, even if it is with black stripes instead of red stripes. It'd look even better with red stripes, but hey, I'm not going to be, I'm a beggar can't be chooser, right? Beggars can't be choosers. Whatever. I mean, it was, I was fired up to watch Mefica play in all white. And I thought maybe sometimes little things like this change luck a little bit or just players are up to play depending when they look different. Believe it or not, you do play different, at least at first, when you're in a nice kit. When you're not in the same kit all the time. When you throw on a third kit, teams tend to get excited about playing in that kit. And I thought Benfica could maybe, you know, get a little bit of a boost from that. But anyway, um, right off the bat, I watched this match here in the United States on 2DNA, the the U.S.-based Spanish-language network on their streaming service, 2DNA Extra. And the commentator right in the first minute points out Luis Castro's record against Benfica. They point out that he has only three wins from 15 matches. And I did note this down because I think this lacks context. Yes, this lacks context. Luis Castro, when facing Benfica, the majority of the time was managing a small side. Of course, he's not going to have many wins against Benfica. Now he's managing a much bigger side in Shakhtar Donetsk. And although Benfica have the more expensive payroll, Benfica should on paper be the better team. He's got a much more of a fighter's chance facing Benfica in this tie than he has with any Portuguese team he has managed. He was, for a short time, manager of uh, of Porto also. Um, and the game time temperature at the kickoff was around 0 degrees Celsius. So let's keep that in mind. I was reading comments on on uh, Twitter or on Ebola and, you know, in very Portuguese fashion, people pointing out lack of sweat on the Benfica players or pointing out Odie not catching a ball here or there. Guys, it was about, the temperature was flirting right around the freezing mark. Okay, this is not the kind of, you don't see these temperatures in the Liga Nage. Um, I'm not going to say that that's an excuse, but there was definitely going to be an acclimatization period in this match for Benfica to get used to these temperatures. All right, fifth minute, and Benfica earn a corner down the right to be taken by Grimaldo to the near post, and it's cleared easily by Shakhtar's back line. The camera at that point stops in on Carlos Vinicius on the bench, and you can see the man shivering. <laughs> it's much colder than in his native Brazil right now. Uh, Florentino is dispossessed in the 8th minute at midfield and Shakhtar counter, but Benfica do well on this one to track and get back and cut out the counter attack. We're in the 10th and it is Trapped running hard at the Shakhtar midfield and he's cut down by Marlos. Free kick to Benfica 25 meters from goal. Pizzi and Grimaldo standing over it. Between these two guys, okay, this is like two full seasons now of these two guys being 
the the set piece takers. We still got like zero goals between these two guys on set pieces. It's getting old. I have zero faith in this team when they take a set piece right now. Um, and what happens on this one? PZ lofts it to the far post for Ruben, a play we're seeing week after week, match after match, where Ruben tries to head it across the face of goal. The Ukrainian side's ready for it. They got three guys along the small or the goal area, the small goal box, and they easily deal with Ruben heading it across goal. We're in the 14th, and it's Chervi with a driven cross for Seferovic, but Shakhtar center backs there to head clear and give another corner. Again, far post to Ruben, no trouble to defend. Um, Luis Castro knows the Benfica team. He's... You know, he ha- he's got contacts at Football Club de Porto. There's no question about it. He's got contacts at Vitória Guimarães if he needs scouting reports. But, listen, I, I would do the same exact thing when we're ready to play Benfica. I mean, I would give away corner kicks. I would cut guys down for fouls on, on set pieces because we're not dangerous from those either. And I would, you know, I know exactly what's coming when Benfica are attacking a set piece. Uh, we're in the 15th, and it's Chiquinho earning another corner. This one is played short, and before you know it, that ball is played all the way back to Odie. And this, for me, at this point, I was, I, I was like, it was foretelling where this team's mentality is at. It was foretelling when you have another corner kick. You're deep in the opponents, and you try to play it short, and before you know it, you've knocked the ball all the way back to your own goalkeeper. 19th minute, and we hear Luis Castro yelling instructions to Tyson in Portuguese, telling the Brazilian to stop higher, to step higher, excuse me. As you can clearly hear him saying, vai mais, vai mais, Tyson, vai mais. You can hear, it's it's like, you can see Shakhtar are not going to allow Benfica to construct play out of their, out of their first phase of construction, the back line. And again, it's what our opponents have been doing to us. It's what Porto did to us. It's what Braga did to us. It's what Famalicão did to us. And Shakhtar following suit. 20th minute. Servi. All right. On the left side. Plays Grimaldo into the box. Who crosses along the ground. Chiquinho dummies dummies there. Allowing the ball go through his legs. So that PZ can run onto it. But it is cut out at the last second by one of the center backs, and Shakhtar quickly transition into a counterattack. Um, their clearance goes orig- goes first off to Tino. Tino gives the ball away. Florentino Luis gives it away. Alan Patrick at pace down the middle until the exact instant where Ruben, uh, Ruben Diaz decides to step, and he stops retreating and steps to the ball. Leaving Junior Moraes open, and at that moment, the Brazilian knows to slide it to Junior Moraes, and the Ukraine international fires it right at Odi. This is the play I was talking about. He can't catch the frozen ball, and it rebounds perfectly for Marlos, who makes no mistake about it, finding the roof of the goal. He puts it top shelf. The referee waits for the, for the VAR to do a goal check. Honestly, I didn't expect this one to come back. This looked onside to me. Uh, Benfica players had their hands up a little bit, but there was very little protest from Benfica. But after a few minutes, um, after a few minutes, the referee, after hearing some instructions in his ear, does the VAR symbol, makes the box, and puts his hands straight up in the air, signaling an offside. Um, he did this in a matter of, of 90 seconds or so. Why does this take six minutes in the Portuguese League? Can somebody explain why it takes so long in the Portuguese League? And I did notice that I'm still not convinced he's offside on the play. It looks even. Again, I know we benefited from this one, but I'm getting sick of these goals being called back, to be honest with you, when it's this close. I'm getting sick of the emotion of the game and the life of the game being sucked out. By these long stops, this wasn't even that long, but come, but still, you could see that the the crowd went dead. Yes, Benfica got off on this one without surrendering a goal, but even then, again, I'm not convinced that he was offside. I mean, I'm looking at that. There used to be, uh, there used to be an expectation that even was considered on advantage goes to the attacker. If you're within centimeters 
I'm sorry, I still don't believe this technology is good enough or or precise enough to get it right when it's that margin of error. I think that's in my book that is even, and for me this goal should have stand should have stood. That's just where I how I felt about this one. So we move on now to the 24th minute, and it's Kovalenko down our left channel. Beats Grimaldo. Goal side. Cuts in to his preferred left foot. And let's see. Yeah, he was down our left side on his right foot. Cuts in to his preferred left foot and fires, but his shot is saved by Odie diving to his left. Vlakodimos in great form again. A nice diving save. 25th minute and... I made a note of this one because this is either I understand why this happened, but I don't want to see this happen, to be honest with you. And um, Tomas Savage and Grimaldo have switched sides because they were defending the corner kick. Okay, this is where it comes from. Problem is we're playing out now and they have stayed on opposite sides. All right. And even though it's only for two minutes, okay, they're only on on opposite sides for two minutes. I. I get that they have to be on opposite sides. I don't like the way that they line up here because in between the 26th and 27th minute, there's a point where both um, Tomaj and Grimaldo are touchline wide moving up on their weaker side, on their weaker foot, which means if they do get the ball, that first touch is coming inward where Shakhtar have their entire midfield ready to pounce on it, okay? Their first touch is going to be towards an opponent. That's the first problem if the ball does get to them. And we have only two two defenders back. Tino's pulled up too far on this play. I froze this and looked at it. He's playing level with with Tarapt, which leaves Ruben and Ferru helpless once this if this ball is to be turned over. They're going to be seeing three Shakhtar uh, midfielders running at them with a striker to worry about, and it's just the two of them back. So fortunately for us, Ferru's ball to Tomas Tavares is too high and goes out of play. I get how that happens, but seriously, you cannot be... You cannot be that careless. To me, that's careless. It's not confident. It is careless, okay? You got two players that are one foot dominant on the wrong side. And like I said, if that ball comes in, they've already got their back on the touchline. Their first touch is coming inward where the opponent wants their first touch to go. They're not going to force them wide. Opponents are forcing Benfica inward, especially when your two outside backs are so wide, okay? They're playing as basically as wings, there's no coverage in behind because Florentino's out of position. Terapt is is he's in position, but he's level with Florentino. One touch beats both of them. There's no dimension there, and it would have just been an absolute nightmare. Being, you know, it had had this ball stayed in play, I was very happy to see it go out, which allowed Befica to reorganize, and the two players found their way back to their normal places on the pitch. 32nd minute, and again, it's the 2DNA commentator as he acknowledges Bruno Lage is um, under heavy criticism for starting Seferovic in this match. And the game is mostly being played in the middle third, Shakhtar possessing, but not really doing anything productive. I was happy with this phase of the game here from Befica. It's not pretty to watch. It's not all we want to see, but it's effective. Befica are controlling where the match is being played. An away leg on the road in the Ukraine, in freezing temperatures. I can live with this. Benfica are, are you know, every time that that Shakhtar try to penetrate the final third, Benfica are able to deal with it in this next, in this 10-minute uh, phase here. And this was probably Benfica's best 10 minutes of the match, at least positionally and in terms of effectiveness defensively. I watched the defensive side of the game more than most people, but I was I was happy with, with this phase here, this 10-minute stretch here. And in the 39th, Benfica, Benfica's patience pays off as they finally steal an encounter. Tarapt, um, he... he carries at pace into the attacking third, okay? He squares the ball for Grimaldo, who delivers a left-footed, out-swinging cross. Um, and it's this was one of the few good ones, but neither... Sef, Seferovic does, does not work hard enough to get to it, uh, nor was this... In, 
nor was the service particularly good, I wrote down. So I guess this wasn't that good of a service. Um, I remember right now reading it that it would have, but it was neither a good service nor was the striker working hard enough to get on the end of it. And the ball goes right to the stationary center back, okay? The central defenders for for Shakhtar had to do very little moving in this match. Benfica continually putting the ball right to where they are standing. 42nd minute, Benfica kicking the ball around and connecting, but it's all very, very slow. And it's allowing Shakhtar to keep their defensive shape and to just cut out the dangerous passing lanes as they're content to allow Benfica lateral and backward passes. Eventually, after some patience, um, Chervi does get into the area and he gives the ball to Pizzi on a platter. But his left-footed shot from the top of the area around the, the half circle, the half moon, he hooks it wide with his left foot. And... That will bring us very close to halftime here at 45 plus one. It's Marlos trying a left-footed effort, but it's, as we say in Portuguese, a figura right at Odie, and that will take us to halftime uh, with the score um, nil-nil at this point. And I wasn't 100% confident right now. But I was I was comfortable with the way the match was going. I thought if Benfica could 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 build on the last phase of that first half, we might have had a chance to to get a, a decent result out of this and to maybe play some better football. But um, that really closes out the first half. So I'm gonna take a quick break here. All right, that was about 26 minutes or so of talking. We take a quick break. We'll be right back and we'll get right into the second half. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. And you can follow me, of course, on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. On Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And at MrBenfica.com. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica, episode 53. All right, let's get right into the second half. That first, uh, that last segment ran quite long. Um, so let's get into the second half right away. Without further ado, Seferovic kicks off to start the second half. And within the first minute, it's Tyson breaking in. He plays in Moraj, who has a shot at goal. But again, Odie with the point-blank save. How many times are we going to hang this goalkeeper out to dry? How many times is he going to have to bail our back line out? This team is allowing way too many opportunities right now, in my opinion, for my liking. 48th minute, Tarapt backs, he breaks in, excuse me, into the attacking third, and he picks out Severovic with his pass, but the Swiss loses his footing and falls almost comically. As the Shakhtar defense just recovers the ball and comes out playing it. And in the 50th, it's Shikinu as he is working through Shakhtar players. He's weaving in and out with pace. Looks to play Chervi into space behind the back line. Does everything right until the final pass. And that has been the story for Shikinu. Um, he's been getting hammered by fans and by media. But the truth is... He's doing a lot right, and I think that's why the manager continues to to believe in him. But what's problem? What the problem is? What's problematic is when it comes time for the important delivery, or the important decision, or to finalize and put a shot on goal. He he he's missing it at that point. He he lets himself down in the final, most important phase of every play. It's the fifty-first first minute and it's Alan Patrick deep in his middle third he checks to his defender receives the pass with Tino on his back and with Tito sh Tino shadowing he easily pivots to his left shoulder and Tino quickly goes around the wrong side of him and 
Alan Patrick is in easily into our midfield, and he's broken our midfield line like taking candy from a baby. Absolutely way too much ease with which he turned on Tino in that one. Florentino continuing to struggle. Um, we'll get into goal point ratings later, and he didn't look bad in the ratings. But, man, when you analyze these plays play for play, he looked bad in some of these, and it, it's understandable. He's missed so much time. And he's completely been pushed aside since Weigel came in. And I still think that Weigel is is the best player in that position that we have. And um, he's shown it in the past uh, what he can do. It's a matter of now doing it with Benfica. But really, Tino, Tino hurting in this match. He just, this is the, you know, we saw him against Fumalicão as well. In which he won only one of 11 duels. And he's just getting beat everywhere here. And Benfica very lucky not to be behind by this point. And 53rd minute, I feel like I'm beating up on him, but it's Florentine Luiz losing another ball in midfield with Shakhtar. Um, with Shakhtar constructing another attack really quickly. And this is when the camera shines on Luiz, Felipe Vieira, and Rui Costa sitting in the box, in the luxury box, whatever you want to call it, in the tribuna. And let me tell you, the looks on their faces are like, is this game over yet? Can we get out of here? The, and you know what? That attitude trickles down. I'm going to I'm gonna point it where, where I see it. And it looks like not even the people at the highest levels in charge of this team seem like they can be bothered with the Europa League. That bothers me. All right, this this is this competition is not getting All right, you don't want to respect the competition is one thing, but this team is playing so poorly that you need to turn this around and you've got a golden opportunity here in a match that does not affect the standings in the championship in the league, a chance to, to turn things around and start playing well without the threat of losing points, a chance to take chances. An opportunity to take chances, take risks, and we're not seeing it from this team. And you can probably hear the lack of patience that I'm starting to feel with this team. And I don't know how so quickly this thing turned around, but then again, the signs were there all along, weren't they? It's the 55th minute, and it's it's Ishmaili attacking down the right. He finds Marlos, but it's Odie with another save. Benfica, look. Like deer in the headlights now. Every time Shakhtar attack, lucky to be bailed out by their informed Greek goalkeeper time after time. But in the 56th, it's Ishmael, or I should say Ishmali, playing it on the ground across the top of the penalty arc. Marlos with the soft touch. Let's listen to it. This is courtesy of 2DNA here in the United States in Spanish. But here's what it sounded like in Spanish on my television. Así encara, la metió en el área y ahora sí, Moraes para Marlos. Otra descarga y va al arco. ¡Claro que sí! ¡Gol! ¡De Shakhtar! Shakhtar 1, Benfica 0. So there you have it for those of you that understand Spanish. That's what it sounded like. So it was, as I turn back here it was Alan Patrick as he places the ball perfectly out of Odie's reach to the keeper's left into the back of the net the Brazilian makes it 1-0 on a nice play Marlos just with the softest little touch which just put the ball perfectly on to his teammates run beautiful goal um and the crowd comes alive in in Karakiv now as it's the first time you don't hear the Benfica fans all match. But Benfica would actually respond reasonably well to this one. They would come out. And now we're in the 61st minute and it is Grimaldo with a nice diagonal ball right onto Sef's chest. Rather than shooting it though with his right foot, which is what Seferovic should have done with that, he instead forces it onto his left foot and it is poked away but the ball does end up on Terapt who plays a nice ball into Tavaj. Let's listen to this one on 2DNA.
que ir a verla. Le han pedido que vaya a verla a Maiden. Allí, en ese toque de Cherby, además le pegan al argentino. El termina decretando penal. Por ese toque contra Franco Cherby. Termina siendo penal para Benfica. Si bien había penal, la jugada finaliza con Tavares empujando la pelota al arco. El reclamo de todo Shakhtar y se prepara Pizzi entonces. Allí está el capitán. Hay penal para Benfica, dio la orden el árbitro. Pizzi arranca la carrera. Pizzi, claro que sí. Gol. So, in perhaps the most bizarre, <laughs> bizarre um, sequence of events I've seen in a while in a football match. Like I had said, it was a nice ball from Grimaldo that that Seferovic couldn't take advantage of, but Terapt getting the loose ball, playing in Tomasz Tavares, he puts a he puts the ball right through the wickets of Koistov, the central back, or I should say Kristov, and then the ball gets away from him just a bit, but Chervi um comes into the into the mix. He has a try, but he he just gets a touch and goes down and Tomasz Tavares sees the loose ball and he puts it home for the equalizer. And to upon first first uh, notice, to me, Chervi was offside. I thought this goal was coming back because he looked offside. But it got real. What got really bizarre was when the referee went to the VAR. Understandable, it was a regular goal check. He went to the bar. He watched it, and he comes back. Once he does the VAR signal, I'm assuming that this thing is an offside. He waves off the goal and then points to the penalty spot. And I'm not going to blame the referee here because this is a poor rule. And the referee called it right. He called the rule by the way it is written. So I'm going to... I wish this referee refereed in Portugal, actually. If we had this kind of refereeing every week, I'd be a lot happier with referees. Um, but this is an instance where IFAB and FIBA, FIFA really need to fix the rule because now that we have VAR, now that we have video assistant referee, video replay... Plays like this, common sense should still uh, prevail. The, yes, it's true. The rule says there's no such thing as advantage in the penalty area because a penalty kick is the highest advantage that you can get in the game of football. But when you go, when the ball has already gone into the goal and you've allowed the goal, to me that that should that should offset the penalty kick. Um, that's not the rule, unfortunately. So the referee correctly, by the letter of the law, uh, uh, points to the spot for a penalty kick. And I'm sure our rivals are going to say that the referee helped us. This is Colinho, even in Europe. And in the, let's see here, it is minute number 65. Finally, after a long delay, PZ steps up and he beats the goalkeeper from the spot. The goalkeeper goes the wrong way. The goalkeeper goes to his left. Peasy goes to his right. And it is 1-1. And you can hear the Benfica fans awaken. And Benfica look, the players look excited. It looks like they're going to get back into this match. I can't help but feel like this goal was stolen from Tomas Tavares. I felt for the player at this point. But um, again, I wrote that this is what happens when technology replaces common sense. But a potentially crucial away goal for Benfica. We wait and see. This coming Thursday, we will know if this goal meant anything or not. And in the 69th minute, Lige goes to the bench. It is Karluz Vinicius coming off for Seferovic. And um, 72nd minute, however, Ruben Diaz has an absolute um, mess of a play here. He's He makes a mess of, he first takes a bad touch and then he tries to shield it. Tyson gets around him, and once again, let's have a listen from Tudiene. Buena pelota larga para que corra Tyson antes. Salió Rubén Díaz. 
Complicado ahora Díaz. Tyson, el toque para Moraes. Y viene el segundo. Moraes atrás. ¡Claro que sí! ¡Gol! Que se jueguen en simultáneo de esta UEFA Europa League. Tremendo el error de Rubén Díaz. So, Victor Kovalenko on the pass from Junior Moraes after Tyson dispossesses Ruben Díaz. And Shakhtar are back in front. And when your most reliable defender makes a mistake like this one, you know it's that kind of day also. Uh, Benfica go behind 2-0. Um, they respond well at first again. As in the 75th minute, Grimaldo has maybe his best effort of the match as he has a left-footed blast. But unfortunately, it's right at Payatov. We move forward and we go to the 78th. And Grimaldo, this time with a right-footed shot from the center of the box, saved in the bottom left corner on a pass from Pizzi. And 78th minute, and Bruno Lage brings on Rafa a little late, but he brings him on for Chiquinho. And Shakhtar will counter in the 79th as Marcos Antonio comes on for Alan Partic Patrick, excuse me, and it's it's a count it's a you know it's a move counter move as as Luis Castro now knows that he's got this one and he doesn't want to see Benfica score again. He's got a good advantage, but he's definitely going to take his chance to add another one if it were to present itself. 81st minute. And Benfica with another corner. And once again, it's easily dealt with. 82nd minute and it is a substitution for Shakhtar. As Cono Planca comes on for Marlos. Standing ovation for the Brazilian-born Ukraine international. And we get another free kick for Shakhtar in their own half. As PZ fouls Ismaili. Frustration now showing for the Benfica captain on the day. And we'll move to the 90th minute in a very telling substitution as PZ is replaced by Andreas Samadis. And you don't have to have a doctorate degree in football to understand Bruno Lage is trying to hold the 2-1 deficit and not allow it to go any further. But Samadish does have a nice play in the 90th plus four. His only play of the match. He receives a nice pass from, from Adel Tarapt. And he takes a right-footed effort from outside the box. It was blocked for another corner, but he beats a guy with a nice move. And again, I've said this guy's name so many times. I said it last season. I said it earlier this season a lot. Andreas Samadic is so crucial to this team emotionally, um, you know, mentally, spiritually, if you will. He brings so much more than just technique or tactics to this team. This player needs to play. This guy needs to be the captain of this team. This team has no leadership. This is the only man on this team that I feel bleeds for this crest. He has no playing time, yet he looks like he's the only one that cares along with the Delta Rapt. These are two guys that are the only ones that look like they care out there. Bruno Lage, put this guy in the lineup. I don't care where. It's time. Put him at center back. Everybody's saying it. He can. He's more than able. He's more than functional to be a center back in the Liga Nosh. Have... Have Ferru take a couple games off. See if he can regain himself. Put Samadij in the back. I understand not wanting to take Weigel out of the lineup. He costs $20 million. It's not just the manager's choice. You know, we weren't all born yesterday. We know agents have a lot of power in every team, in every league. But put Samadij at center back and let the guy play. Let him be out there. Let him... Lead. Let him shout instructions. Let him organize the players in front of him. He knows how to do all that. We're hurting in that in that realm. Our center backs. It starts with our center backs' inability to organize the team in front of them. Maybe Terapt isn't out of out of position all the time. 
if somebody's just playing center back and, and shouting at him where to be, telling him to step right, step left, along with Weigel. Maybe if you have those two guys out there, you know, maybe he won't be so exposed defensively. Good teams. What good teams do is they hide their players' weaknesses and they, they expose their strengths. Last year, this team hid all of its weaknesses. Brutalage came in last year with a midfield of Samadish and of Gabriel. And when those two, the best phase of the season were the matches, those two paired up. And so many of Befica's flaws were hidden because they had people in the right place and their strengths were outshining any of their flaws. Their strengths were controlling the game and were not allowing the flaws to be exposed. That's not happening anymore. And guess what? Tarap, I mean, uh, Gabriel is out for the season. We don't even know if we will ever see him take the pitch again. Breaks my heart to say it. This is my favorite player. I'll come out here and I will say it. That for me on this team, Gabriel is my favorite player. Has been since Bruno Lage arrived. He does something no one else can do. And we're going to miss that. But we don't have him anymore. You need a personality like Samadish on this pitch with these players. I'm going to leave it at that. The whistle blows All right, after Florentino gets a yellow card for a bad foul. Referee blows the whistle, and it is 2-1, two, to one, two. Shakhtar Donetsk. Benfica with a lot of work to do in the second leg, all right? Obviously, we've got the Liga match on Monday first before we can get to that. Um, we're not going to talk about that really today. There'll be an episode later in the week with that one, okay? But it's a must win, obviously, because we are no longer in first place. But on Thursday, we do need to turn this around. We need to win. We need a clean sheet. I said I don't expect it. I have a hard time believing they can do it. But this is the time to prove me wrong. Let's go to the goal point now and look at the ratings for this match. Starting with the home side. Starting with our opponents. Payetov with a 5.5 in goal. The right back, Bolbat, 4.9 Krivstov, 4.6. Matvinenko, 5.8. Ishmaili, 5.5. In the midfield, Marlos was a 5.7. Kovalenko with the high rating of the match, putting in a 6.8 man of the match performance for Viktor Kovalenko. Uh, 